study tonight. This is our last week in this series, though. Um, August had five Wednesdays, so we, we are kind of wrapping up our back-to-school series while school is in session, but whatever, that's okay. We're going to tie a bow on our Watchmen series tonight, so I want to kind of give you a quick review of where we've been coming from, if you've forgotten uh, where we've come from. We got the whole Watchmen idea from Ezekiel 33, so let me just read you two verses from Ezekiel 33, uh, when God told Ezekiel that he was going to be like a watchman to the nation of Israel. He said in Ezekiel 33, verse 6, If the watchman sees the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. So we saw the responsibility of a watchman is to watch and to warn the people. And what God said to Ezekiel is, listen, if a watchman sees a sword, the sword coming, if he sees the enemy coming and he doesn't warn the people, God says, listen, the people are evil. They're being judged for their actions. Yes, they'll be taken in their own iniquity. But he says, their blood will I count at the watchman's hand, right? Because the watchman didn't warn them. And so the, what's been the reoccurring theme this entire series is a silent watchman is a what? A disobedient watchman. Because that's just, that's the watchman's job. Watch and warn. If you only watch and don't warn, man, you're putting everybody in jeopardy. Yes, they deserve the judgment. But it was your job to let them know that they don't have to be judged. And so we saw week one, the responsibility of a watchman is to watch and warn. We saw the urgency of the watchman. And we, we, we have this urgency because we know the day, we know the time, right? Remember that? Uh, we saw the motivation of watchmen. That comes from understanding the gospel. And if you truly understand the gospel and what it means, and you truly believe that people need it, or they risk being separated from God for eternity in a place not designed for them, well, if you actually believe that, that's going to motivate you to do your job and to do it well. And then we saw last week the vocation of watchmen. We saw that we are ambassadors for Christ. Who remembers what the word ambassador means? Yes, sir. A representative. Yes, a representative is an ambassador. So we are representatives for Christ, right? We are ambassadors for him, and God gave us something to do, and he gave us something to say. The something to do is the ministry of reconciliation, right? We, we are to call people to be reconciled with God. Who remembers what reconcile means? Reconcile, reconciliation, reconciled. You guys remember what that means? It means to restore or to bring peace, right? Two parties at odds to bring them back together. And so God and man are separated because of their sin, but Christ came so that we could be reconciled. And if you're saved today, you're a watchman, by the way, but if you're saved, you've been reconciled to Christ. And so your job, the ministry of reconciliation, is the ministry God has given you to do, to go and tell people the good news, to watch and to warn. We have a job to do, and we have something to say, and that's the gospel, right? The good news. And so as we wrap up this week, I just want to encourage you. We've kind of talked about what a watchman is and why we should be watchmen and how to be watchmen. And I just want to encourage you this week just to be watchmen. School has begun. Many of you have been back at it for at least a week now, and you're starting to get back to the grind. Maybe you've been thinking about, okay, I wonder if I can actually pull off what we've been talking about the last month. Maybe you've already forgotten, and you're back into the school grind. I don't know. But if you've been thinking about that, I just want to encourage you tonight in this last week that, listen, being a watchman is not easy. We saw that. We've seen that through the series. It's not 
politically correct. People aren't going to agree with you. But if you truly believe what God says, it's not your job to worry about what people think. It's your job to tell them and to warn them and give them the decision if they want to accept Christ as their Savior. And so because of what watchmen do, and because watchmen hold God's word as their authority, and and this is the warning that God has given us, it's the message that he's given us, and because it doesn't agree with what everybody wants and thinks, listen, watchmen aren't always the coolest people. (laughs) They don't always fit in, right? Watchmen are strange. In fact, the Bible says that watchmen are peculiar. God says that if you are going to do and obey and live by his book, you'll be a peculiar person. And that's what I want to see tonight is the peculiarity, I don't know if I'm even saying that right, but the peculiarity of watchmen. Watchmen are peculiar. And we're going to see that in Titus chapter 2. This is where God tells us this. Titus chapter 2, if you want to look in your Bible. If not, it's on the screen. Start in verse 11. We're going to see what God has for us tonight. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Man, praise the Lord, right? Everybody has the chance to accept the gospel. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been seeing that the last couple of weeks. Our motivation, our urgency comes from looking, watching, right, watchmen, for the coming of Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good good works. What makes a watchman peculiar? What makes them different from everybody else? Well, it's actually very simple, and we're going to break down these couple of verses here, but it all breaks down to what watchmen do and what they don't do. That's all it's about. What makes watchmen strange, what makes them not fit in, It's all about what they do and what they don't do. So number one, I want to take a look at what watchmen don't do. Let's start with the negative first. What watchmen don't do. And that's verse 12, the beginning of verse 12. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So what watchmen don't do, or I mean, if you want to do it in the positive, what they do is deny ungodliness. So the idea is they don't give in to the flesh. That's one thing that watchmen don't do denying ungodliness. They don't give in to the flesh. Ungodliness is things that your flesh wants you to do. Those are ungodliness. Those are ungodly things. Ungodliness. In the scriptures, anytime you see the word ungodly or ungodliness, it's always linked to wickedness and sin. I'll show you a few places really quick. 1 Timothy 1.9 says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, and the list goes on and on. That's what ungodliness is. All of those wicked things. Jude, and I think it it says judges on your your study sheet, but it's actually Jude uh, 1, 15 through 18. To execute, notice how many times it says ungodly, by the way, throughout here. Track it with me. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, 
who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. There it is again. Ungodly lust, wickedness, sinners. It, it just keeps going over and over and over again. Those are our deeds. Those are the, the things that your flesh wants you to do, right? You know what ungodliness is? It's just what, it's what describes lost people. That's what it is. Lost people give in to the lust of the flesh. Lost people give in to those wicked deeds that their flesh wants them to do. Really, we could summarize all of this by saying, watchmen don't act like lost people. It's really that simple. I mean, we can Christianize it and Bibleize it all we want, but really all it is is watchmen don't act like lost people. That's what they don't do. Romans 5, 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly? Well, who did Christ die for? He died for sinners. <laughs> the ungodly are sinners. They're lost people. Christ died for lost people. So if you want to be a good watchman and you want to stand out from the world and be peculiar like God calls you to, well, the first thing you don't do is you don't act like a lost person. If you act like a lost person, you won't be peculiar at all. I dare say you'd even be a watchman. And we'll see that in a bit. Jesus died for the lost. So denying ungodliness is to deny the flesh. It's watchmen don't give in to the flesh like everyone else does. That's what makes them peculiar. It's what makes them strange. What we do is what Galatians 5 tells us. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We don't walk after the flesh and the wickedness and the ungodliness that the flesh wants. We walk after the Spirit and what God wants. That's what we're to do. That's what we're to not do as watchmen is to not give in to the flesh. That's what makes watchmen peculiar. Because the whole world, they do what they want to do. The, the whole world lives by the philosophy, if it feels good, do it. If you think it looks good, do it. But watchmen don't do that. That's what makes them peculiar. It's what makes them strange. It's what makes people make fun of them. So watchmen don't give in to what their flesh wants them to do, but also, the, the second thing they don't do is they don't give in to the world. You guys remember the Christian has three enemies, right? The flesh, the world, and Satan. Well, we see two of them here. What watchmen don't do is they don't give in to the flesh and they don't give in to the world because it says not only denying ungodliness, it says denying worldly lusts. So ungodliness is what your flesh wants you to do. Worldly lusts are things that the world wants you to do that ultimately your flesh also wants to do. But it's, it's the temptation of the world. 1 Peter 4 says that he, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. I'll explain what that means in a second. When we walked in lasciviousness, it's like sexual sin, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. It's just Bible words for sin and ungodliness. Wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So let me translate this for you, if you didn't catch all that. Verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. You know what that means? The sin from your past, whenever you got saved, I don't know how old you were. Let, maybe some of you got saved really young and you didn't have a really sinful life before then. Okay, that, oh, then you probably didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. You were still a sinner, still need to be saved. Some of us got saved later in life, right? And some of us might have a testimony of like, yeah, man, I got into some really bad stuff and God pulled me out of that. And so what the Bible is saying here is, listen, there's no need to live in sin anymore. The sin that you lived in before you were saved, it suffices. 
It's enough. That, that's all, you don't need any more than that, okay? In fact, verse 4 says the world, and here's the peculiar part, the world will think it strange that you don't run with them to do the things that they want to do. That's the worldly lust. They'll actually think you're strange and peculiar that you don't run. And you know what? If you're not saved today, and you realize that you're a sinner, you need to be saved by grace through faith in the blood of Christ, and you give your life to Christ, and you start to be different and act different and look different and talk different, all of those things, your friends will actually think it's strange when you don't want to do those things that you used to do with them. Those are the worldly lusts, and they'll look at you and be like, you're different now. And then they might mock you and call you holier than thou or something. But no, you are different. You're not trying to make yourself look better than them. No, you have Christ living inside of you. And you're a watchman now. And you don't give in to the flesh. And you don't give in to the world. And they might think you're strange. And they might think you're peculiar. But that's exactly how God set it up. We are strange. We are peculiar if we live the way the Bible wants us to, the way God wants us to. Look at 1 John 2 and see what God has to say about the world. Notice the phrase, the world, not the people of the world. Of course we're supposed to love the people. We're supposed to share the gospel with them. But this doesn't say the people. This is the world. This is what God has to say about the world, 1 John 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He doesn't say the people. He says the world. That's the enemy of the Christian, right? The flesh, the world. Satan, it's this world system. It's the world, the system that goes against God. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, the ways of the world are against God. So if the world thinks it's cool, typically... It's probably not cool with God, <laughs> typically. And so in my head, and whatever, you can call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but anytime the world comes out and says something's wrong that I and the Bible also agree is wrong, I've just kind of, I'm puzzled. I'm like, hmm, why does the world also think this is wrong? I don't know. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I can't give you an answer. I'm just saying maybe there's a buck in it or something. But when the world agrees that something is wrong that I and the Bible, and God, and Christians also think is wrong, that should give you a little bit of a red flag. Because God says the world is not of God. And all that is in the world is not of God. Don't love the world. Well, how can we live here in this world? This, this is a good question. How can we live in this world and not give in to the world? The answer is to remember where your real home is. Remember your real address, Christian. Because Jesus says in John 15, in verse 19, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, notice the word of the world, not in, not living on, of. Because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That's important. Jesus says to his disciples, by the way, if you're a Christian today, you are a disciple of Christ. And you are not of this world. You can go to Ephesians chapter uh, 2, I believe, that says that when, when God saved you, he quickened you, he made you alive, and he seated you in heavenly places with Christ. And so spiritually, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. This world, Christian, is not your home. You're just passing through, like the old hymn says, but you guys probably don't know the old hymn. Bill, do you know that old hymn? <laughs> I'm just asking. I don't know. <laughs> this world is not your home. 
Your real home is in heaven. And so that's how you live in the world, but are not of the world. See, there's a difference. Prepositions matter. To be in the world is a completely different thing than being of the world. See, there's an entire religious sect that takes it a little bit too far, and they try to completely live outside of the world and have no contact with anybody, no contact with technology. No, 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 that's not what God's talking about. He even says, you can go to John 17, and Jesus prays to the Father, and he says, I'm not saying, Lord, I'm not praying, take them out of the world. He says, no, just protect them from the evil that's in the world. Okay, we are to live in the world, but not be of the world. Geographically, your body is here. But when you start living of the world, you start to look like the world. You start to talk like the world. You start to sound like the world. And all of a sudden, you're not a very good watchman anymore because you aren't peculiar anymore. You aren't strange. You aren't different. Be in the world, not of it. That's what watchmen don't do. They don't give in to the flesh. They don't give in to the world. That's what makes them strange. But next, let's see what watchmen do. I didn't say doo-doo, Steve. What watchmen don't do, what watchmen do. <laughs> Let's just leave it at do. Steve can't handle when somebody says doo-doo in front of the stage. See, look at him. He can't even help himself. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, back to our main passage. What do watchmen do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, what we should do, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So we've already covered the looking for Jesus Christ part. You should know that by now in this Watchman series. That's what we're watching for. That's the watch part of the Watchman. We're watching and we're warning, okay? So we're watching. If you don't know that yet, you need to go back and listen to them because... I don't know what you're watching for. That's the point of being a watchman. But what else is it? What do watchmen do that set us apart from the world, that makes us peculiar? Well, the first one that watchmen do is we guard and we renew our mind. We guard and we renew our mind. And I get that specifically from verse 12 when it says that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. It's an important word. Anytime people see the word sober, they automatically think of one thing. What, what, what are you thinking of right now when you read the word sober? Right, not drinking, not drunk, right? You, you think if you're sober, you're not drunk, okay? Th yes, in that context, but sober means a lot more than that, and specifically in this context, it does. Sober refers specifically to your mind. It's having a sound mind that is temperate, that's moderate, that can discern. If you're drunk, do you have a sound mind? No, of course not. That's the whole point. That's being intoxicated. Intoxicated is the opposite of soberness. In inebriation is the opposite of soberness. You can't have a sound mind when a substance is clouding your mind. See that? It's, it's deeper than just being drunk or, or not being drunk. You can't make temperate and moderate decisions when your mind is clouded by a foreign substance. That's what sober means. But alcohol isn't the only thing that can cloud your mind. And w if you think, what else could cloud my mind? Well, yeah, of course. You could go to the obvious answer, other substances, drugs, of course. But think about this. What else can cloud your mind so that you're not sober? Meaning your, your mind is not sound so that you can make temperate, moderate decisions. And I'm talking in a biblical sense. I'm not just talking in a physical sense. Um, the world, things that are of the world. So, I mean, you could, let, let's just go, um, let, let's just go with television. So let's say that you watch, and I'm not saying go home and never watch TV again. I'm just saying what you watch affects you. 
It really does. If you go home and you constantly watch on TV garbage shows that constantly talk about things that are of the world, and I don't even need to list them because I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, you know what I'm talking about. If you constantly watch those shows, you start to think that way. It clouds your judgment. You aren't living soberly, as the Bible says. I mean, music, okay? And I'm not here to tell you which artists to listen to and not listen to. I don't care. But be discerning, and when you're constantly filling your brain with F this, F that, drugs, anti-authority, all this stuff, it clouds your mind, Christian, and you start to think like the world. See that? You don't even realize it. You've got a 24-7 IV intravenously injecting you with the world, and you spend five minutes once a week in your Bible, and you go to church one or once or twice a week. It's not going to work out. <laughs> your mind is going to look like what you put in it. And if you put five minutes of God in it a week, and you put 24-7 the world in it, what do you think you're going to look like? You're going to look like the world. And so I'm just telling you to think about watchmen guard and renew their mind. They live soberly, the Bible says, okay? Those things are of the world. So guarding your mind, it's directly related to not acting like a lost person. That's all it is. I'm not saying to not live in the world. Don't mishear me. We live in the world. But to not be of the world is to not act like a lost person. And when you put all of that garbage in your ears and in your eyes all day long, it affects you guys. I'm telling you, it affects you. Christ says in the Gospels in the book of Matthew that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when I see a teenager who says they have a cussing problem or, oh, well, a cuss word slipped. Oh, I've got a cussing problem. Well, I, you know, I, everyone's, no, you don't have a cussing problem. You have a heart problem. I don't know what you've been putting into your mind and into your heart, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so when you guard your mind, what you're doing is preventing the world from clouding your judgment. You're living soberly. That's what it is. It's not just not getting drunk. Of course, don't get drunk. That's stupid. I shouldn't even have to preach that. First of all, you're underage. It's illegal anyway. <laughs> Once it is legal, it's still stupid. I shouldn't even have to preach that. <laughs> but, but this is what I'm talking about. It's not just the obvious things like getting drunk, getting hammered, or getting high. It's not just that. Those are the obvious ones. What are you letting cloud your judgment that's of the world, right? That's the idea. So we need to guard our mind. Well, how do we do that? Well, you can make some really practical decisions to guard your mind. What do you look at on your phone? What do you do every day? This, these are really easy things. If you have an issue or a temptation with a certain app or social media, get it off your phone or don't take your phone to bed with you. Those are practical things. But let's look at, at the, the spiritual thing. So do take some practical steps to guard your mind, but secondly, renew it. Okay, so I'm going to try to stop putting so much junk into my mind. Well, you know what? It still needs cleaned out a little bit. You know how you renew your mind? You get in God's word. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's a memory verse. If you've come to camp the last couple of years, you should memorize it. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. What's the opposite of being conformed to the world? It's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Instead, renew and transform your mind. I do that in the word of God. Ephesians 4, 22 and 23. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man. What's that? Uh, that's who you were before you got saved. When you got saved, the old man went off and then you put on the new man. Conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so here's where it gets really practical. So, I want to renew my mind. Well, how do I renew my mind? The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ right here. We have the word of God. God spoke and he wrote it down and he gave it to you. You have it. You have the mind of Christ. John 17 tells us, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Who knows what sanctify means? It means set apart to make holy. So you're sanctified, you're set apart, you are made holy by truth. The word of God is truth. It's the mind of Christ. And if you don't want to be conformed to the world, you renew your mind with the mind of Christ. It's that easy, guys. I know it's harder to put into practice, but it's really not that complex. If you've got an issue with the crap that's in your heart, and you've got an issue with sin, man, block out, guard your mind, get rid of the junk, and then renew it with God's word. But think about it, you're in the world 24-7. Going to church once or twice a week and reading your Bible five minutes once a week is not gonna do it. You need to develop a habit of getting in God's word every day and praying every day and having accountability partners and guarding your mind because this world is a rough place. It's against you, Christian, right? It's against God. Love not the world, neither things that are of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So this world is gonna try to get at you. Maybe it's gotten to you and you haven't even realized it. You don't realize until something comes out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, where'd that come from? It came from your heart. Because you haven't been guarding your mind. So rather than letting the garbage of this world intoxicate you 24-7, we guard our minds, and then we renew them daily in God's word. So don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind with God's mind. See that? So watchmen, they don't give in to the flesh. They don't give in to the world. What they do is they guard and they renew their mind. And then number two, they act and they walk righteously. They act and walk righteously. So the first one is about your mind. The second one's about your actions. That's the idea. Look at Titus 2 again. Live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Verse 14 God wants to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Watchmen are peculiar because they renew their mind in Christ and their actions are the opposite of what the world does. That's why they're peculiar. That's why we stand out. That's why we're strange. We live righteously and godly and pure and we're zealous of good works. That's how we're supposed to be. And the world's not like that. Righteous and godly, all that means is living pure, living holy, like God is. Romans 6, 12, man, Romans 6 is really good, by the way. If you struggle with sin, or even if it's hidden sin, and, and you just need scripture to meditate on and to memorize to help kick this, Romans 6 is good. Romans 6, 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. What does reign mean? It's what a king does. It's what somebody who has authority and power does. They reign. They rule. Don't let sin rule over you. Let's not sin, therefore, reign in your body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, don't give up your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace, Christian. See, watchmen, they abstain from sin. They abstain from all appearance of evil, and they've surrendered themselves to God to allow him to live in and through them. 
And doing that just means we walk in righteousness. Our actions are holy, like he is holy. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God died. He was holy and perfect and pure. He died and became sin so that we could be made righteous. That's an amazing thing. 1 Peter 1, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Man, our actions matter, Christian. We are to live holy and righteous and godly because that's what God is. And that's what you were called to be, Watchmen. That's what makes you peculiar. That's what makes Watchmen strange. It's what makes them stick out. It's why they don't fit into this world. If you fit in too much to this world and never cause a ripple and never get any temptation, or I shouldn't say temptation, but never get any uh, problems and troubles from the world because of, of being a Christian, if you fit in that well, I don't know. doesn't sound like you're living right. I'm not saying you can't be cool and people can't like you. I'm just saying, if it never causes you a problem for being a Christian, maybe you're not living like one. Maybe you're not living like one. Because your responsibility as a watchman and your urgency as a watchman and your motivation as a watchman and your vocation as a watchman, your actions will separate you from the world. That's what they do. What you won't do and what you will do are different from the world. That's what makes you peculiar. It's what makes you stand out. And so if you go into this school year and you're serious about being a watchman and doing what God has called you to do and you feel like an outcast, you're doing just fine. You're doing just fine, kid. Because you know what? God has called you to something that is going to make you stick out. Because Titus 2.14 says that he's going to purify unto himself a peculiar people peculiar people different they're different than others they don't fit in because they're zealous of good works they're not zealous of fulfilling the flesh like the world they're not zealous for ungodliness they're not zealous of worldly lusts we're zealous for good works we're zealous for righteousness and for holiness and for godliness and for purity and that's going to make you stick out but that's a good thing that's okay like I said, if you don't stand, stand out from this world and your mind and your decisions and your actions look just like the world, then let me just ask you, are you really a watchman? Or are you just of the world? Be in the world, not of the world. That's what makes watchmen peculiar. Because we're living for Christ. We know our home is in heaven. It's not this world. It's not this world. We've got a job to do. And we're in school, and we've got friends, and we've got lost friends and lost people all around us. And our job is to warn them and to share the, the good news of the gospel and to love them like Jesus loves them. That's our job. And it's going to make you stand out. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with being peculiar? I want to leave you with this verse, and this is actually the verse that we, we based our series around last year when we went back to school. So maybe you remember this. But Matthew 5, 14 through 16 Jesus says, ye are the light of the world, right? This world that we live in is a dark place. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen, Christian, you're called to be a watchman. And if you're gonna live like God wants you to live and you're gonna do this thing the right way, 
we are living in a dark world and your school is a dark place. And if you're gonna live like Christ told you to live and you have the light of the gospel burning inside of you, you're gonna stand out because God told you to let your light so shine. It's a dark world. Your little bit of light is going to stand out. It's going to make you not fit in. It's going to make you peculiar. Are you okay with that? Is that okay with you? Because that is what God has called us to do. And you know what I actually found? Some of the, we, we gave out bracelets last year. You can take one if you want one. I'll just leave them uh, by the door. We just had bracelets last year that you can have and you can wear. And just to remind you, man, when you're going through school and you start to feel yourself living like the world does or starting to fit in with the lost crowd a little too much, you can just look down at that bracelet that says shine. It says Matthew 5 on the back of it. And just remember I'm supposed to be different, right? I'm supposed to be, pecu- I didn't have enough time to order ones to say peculiar, so we'll just roll with the shine ones, okay? You can write peculiar on the side if you want. <laughs> but we're called to be watchmen. You can write watchmen on the other side. <laughs> I didn't have enough time to order more promo merch. But that's the idea, guys. Just remember, we're all in this together. And you know what? You might not fit in in this dark world, but you're not supposed to because this world's not your home. You're called to live peculiar. You're called to be strange and to be set apart from this world. Let's pray and just ask God to do that with us this year. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for your word and for telling us how to live and showing us how we can have a fulfilling life. And God, I just pray that through this series that these guys who have heard about being a watchman, what that entails, what it means, what it looks like, I just pray that they would be bold this year at school and they'd share their faith and they'd share the love that Christ has given and that they would just do the job of a watchman to watch and to warn and give people the chance to decide if they want to live for you or not. I know it's not easy. I know that it's hard. I know that living for you is not cool when it comes to what this world thinks. But it is worth it. It is what we're supposed to do. And Father, I just pray that you would give us boldness and strength and zeal to do what you've called us to do and to be watchmen. And then when we come to this place on Wednesdays and we go to church on Sunday, we can be in the company of all the other Christians and we can edify each other and encourage each other and build each other up so that we can go back into the world and keep doing it. So God, help us to be good watchmen. Help us to be obedient, faithful watchmen who open our mouths and share the love that Christ has shared with us. Be glorified and be praised in this last song. It's in your name that I pray, amen.